Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and in love. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, growing up in Wyoming, I naturally am a fan of the Western. And along the way, somewhere I had heard this story, and it may be based on a true story, I don't know, where a toddler, a young kid, between uh, ages four and five, was in his parents' wagon. They had come to town from the ranch to get supplies, and they were loading the wagon up when something spooks the horses. And the team of horses take off pulling that wagon, and, and the wagon's just getting destroyed as they're running along. And everybody knows this child's either going to fall out of the wagon and possibly break his neck, or things are going to fall apart. His life is in danger. But there happens to be a teenager who has a fast horse and he jumps on that horse and he risks his own life to jump into the wagon and, 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 and reach down and grab the reins and finally gets control and he saves that child's life. Now sadly, that child grew up to be a ruffian and had murdered several people when the law finally caught up to him. And it was on his day of judgment, when his day of court, and he just knows he's going to get the hangman's noose. But then the judge walked into the room and he had a deep sigh of relief. He recognized that judge from many years earlier had been that teenager who had saved his life. He figured he was going to be okay. And so he was shocked when the judge announced that he would be hung by the neck until death. He told the judge, but you know me, you saved my life. And the judge says, the problem is you don't know me. Life is precious to me. Somebody who would risk their own life to save a life of the child is somebody who would recognize that life is nothing to you. You treat it like something to be thrown away. And I must see to it that your life is taken so that you do not have the ability to take anybody else's life. The person for a moment thought he knew his judge and thought he was going to be okay. But he didn't know his judge. His judge stood by the law. Sometimes in Westerns, you always hear the bad guys being afraid because the judge they're going to get is known as the hanging judge. What kind of judge are you and I going to have on Judgment Day? We will stand before Jesus Christ, but how will he judge us? Do we think we know him and suddenly, like that man, find out we're in for a surprise because we didn't? Today we'll ask the question, what kind of judge will you have? Our text for our sermon is John chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. Jesus answered them directly, Amen, Amen, I tell you, the Son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. Indeed, the Son does exactly what the Father does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to those He wishes. In fact, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, so that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Amen, amen, I tell you, anyone who hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. He is not going to come into judgment, but has crossed over from death to life. This is the Gospel of our Lord. So once again, I ask, what kind of judge will you have? Now, a regular judge, all they can do, if they're proper, is announce the sentence according to the law and the violation that has been prescribed for that law. 
But Jesus tells us something about himself, and this is a big thing. That teenager in my story risked his life to save a life. But hear what Jesus says in verse 21. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to those he wishes. Now, obviously the first and foremost thing we see in our mind is the resurrection from the dead on the last day. The son will be there to raise us. We see that when he raised Lazarus, when he raised Jairus' daughter. But there's more to this. He's talking about something much bigger that's spelled out in verse 24, especially which we'll get into in just a minute. By talking about raising life, he's talking about the fact that in our natural condition, we are spiritually dead. We are zombies, if you will, in God's eyes. We are destined for hell if left to ourselves. The life that Jesus is first and foremost talking about is the life of your new man, which is faith. He gives you eternal life. As Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to give you that new man who is alive in Christ. He doesn't do this because you and I deserve it. If we get what we deserve, we all go to hell. We all get that sentence to be hung by God's noose, which is hell. No, he gives it according to what he wishes. This is John's way of saying he does it by his grace. So what kind of a judge will you have? The first answer to that question is one who has given you life. He's one who gives life, but specifically he has sent the good news of salvation to you so that you believe that God became a man, lived his life for you in your place, died in your place, suffered in your place, and he sent his Holy Spirit to give you faith so that you cling to that promise. What kind of judge will you have? One who gives life. Now, lots of times when people appear before courts, even in modern days, they end up appearing before kangaroo courts. People find themselves in the westerns I enjoy showing up in town and they're unaware of the law that they were supposed to check their firearms in with the sheriff and find themselves receiving a nasty beating that they didn't deserve or, or something like that. What kind of a judge will we have? Jesus tells us in verse 24, Amen, amen, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He's not going to come into judgment, but it's crossed over from death to life. Now, this is the verse I told you makes it clear that Jesus isn't just talking about the resurrection of the dead, but that resurrection of your new man. Anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He's not going to come into judgment, but is crossed over from death to life. So scripture often refers to death, not just as the death of the body, but death as unbelief. And it refers to belief as life because you have that new man. Now, uh, getting back to my main topic here, what kind of a judge will you have? Jesus has just made very clear what the expectations are. All right, God has given us ten commandments, and they are very clear. They are written in stone. They are dead. You can't change them. All they can do is either say pass or fail. That's it. They can't empower you to keep them. And if you break one of those ten commandments just once in thought, you go to hell. That expectation is pretty clear. The law is very clear. But God makes another demand. God demands that you believe that he kept the law for you. Part of that demand is that you believe that he suffered the punishment for you because you have broken it and has removed your punishment. 
So the judge that you have is one who is very, very clear about the expectations. In your normal circumstances, you deserve hell, but if you trust in him, if you believe that he's your savior, you don't even get judged. This is wonderful comfort for you, brothers and sisters in Christ. The judge you have is one who's clear about the expectations, and he's not just your judge, he's your attorney. How would you like to go into the most dangerous court case in your life and know your attorney's also your judge? Hmm, I wonder what the verdict's going to be. He's clear about the expectations. And it's as simple. He says, you don't come into judgment. I used to think judgment day was going to be a very, very long line and would be thousands and thousands of years as God sat down and with everybody and read every sin they ever had. Then I came to find out more clearly as I got into a, a little bit more spiritual maturity that Christ's blood had washed my sins away. So that was going to be pretty quick for me. That's nice. But, you know, I kind of clung to this idea. I like the idea, even other Christians who have harmed me, that God would at least mention that sin to them. And this is where you did wrong by Fred. And make them sweat it out for a minute before he said, all right, get into heaven now. That's not the case. When you trust in Jesus, he's your judge. He sees his righteousness on you. He sees your life in him. Straight to heaven you go. And those who are unbelievers, well, they'll be judged to damnation. Ah, but pastor, you say, we're judged by our good works. Why, we even confess that in that Athanasian Creed. We say once a year, that really long one on Trinity Sunday, those who have done good will rise to heaven and those who have done evil will rise to eternal punishment. And Jesus has made it clear that he'll separate the sheep from the goats by their works. But brothers and sisters in Christ, an unbeliever cannot produce good works. To God, they're just dead, rotting works. If I go to a tree in the middle of wintertime and there's no leaves on it, I'd be dumb to judge it as dead, right? But in the middle of summertime, if a tree has no leaves on it, that's an indicator to me that it's dead. It's the same thing when you're alive in Christ, you are going to do good works. And such good works are coming to hear the good news that he is your savior who's forgiven you so he can strengthen your trust in that. So Jesus is clear about the expectations and your good works are not what save you. You do good works because you're saved and they are the evidence that you are alive in Christ. What kind of judge will you have? One who's given you life, one who's clear about the expectations and because he's giving you life, you're not going to be judged. Heaven is yours. But oftentimes we get judges who reinterpret the law. In fact, it's very frustrating when judges on the Supreme Court don't interpret the law according to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, but according to their own personal politics, according to their own private political agenda. Do you ever worry maybe Christ is, is off sync with the Father? Maybe something's wrong. Maybe he's going to judge that way and God the Father's going to say, uh-uh, it don't work that way and you're going to hell. To understand our text, we have to put it in its context. Jesus was in Jerusalem and he'd gone to the pool of Bethesda where a lot of handicapped people went and, and apparently sometimes when they went in the pool it would heal them. Well, there was a man who had nobody to help him into the pool and he was crippled. So Jesus on the Sabbath tells him, Get up, take up your mat, and walk. He heals the man. Ah, but the leaders of the Jewish people, they get mad at Jesus. And the truth of the matter is they were mad because they weren't controlling Jesus. But the excuse they use is, you've healed on the Sabbath, and you've even told somebody to carry their mat on the Sabbath, and you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. 
And this is when Jesus tells them, I and the Father are one, and they get really mad because they understand he is claiming to be God. And that's where our text begins. Jesus answered them directly, Amen, Amen. I like to translate those Amens as truth of all truths, or very important truth. I tell you, the Son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. Indeed, the Son does exactly what the Father does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Now, Jesus is true God who became true man. So even when he's talking to the leaders of the Jewish people in today's text, according to his deity, he sees all the works of God the Father. The amazing thing here is is he is one. He has perfect harmony with the Father. He has a perfect will with him. And it's not because he knows that if he screws up, God the Father is going to backhand him. No. This is the thing that defies our understanding and it actually takes faith to believe. We have a triune God, one God in three persons. So Jesus' will is not a different will than God the Father's. It's the same will they, and, and the same thing with the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to worry that Jesus is going to reinterpret his expectations in a different way than God the Father planned and suddenly our salvation is going to be yanked out from underneath us. Oh no, they are one and the same. They're in perfect harmony with their will. And Jesus even spells out, for the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. And he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. This summer we had a new neighbor move in and their child didn't know me. And I'd come home one day and and he was in front of my driveway. The chain on his bicycle had fallen off and he was trying to get enough strength to pull that chain back on over its sprockets. And it was loose enough to fall off. He might have actually succeeded. But he needed to take that rear axle loose and put it on and then pull it tight so it wouldn't come off. So I turned and offered the little boy my help. And he politely said, no, thank you. And I could see by the look in his eyes that his brain was screaming out, stranger danger. So I minded my own business and went back into my house knowing he could walk his bike up to his home. It wasn't too far away. But had that been my own son, there's no stranger danger there. I love my son. I just said, come on, boy, pull that up into the garage here. Let's get the tools out. I'm going to show you how to fix this because I love him. And he's one of my sons. And I, and I want both of them to know how to fix their stuff. Well, God the Father loves his son. And that's an especial comfort for you. He loves his son, and yet he loves you so much that he sent his son to take on your human flesh. There's a perfect harmony between father and son And yet God still loved you so much that he was willing to sacrifice that son to make you his child. Now, we're saying, I'm telling you, they have perfect harmony in love and in will. But you might be thinking, but pastor, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night when Jesus would be betrayed, shortly before he's betrayed, he prays to the Father, if there's another way, let's do that instead. But he also prays, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus never shirked from your salvation, according to his deity. His humanity never sinned, but he understood the pain he was going to bear. He literally bore an eternity of hell for you in three hours. He was abandoned by God the Father. His body knew the pain that was going to be felt when they whipped him and and they nailed him to the cross. But brothers and sisters in Christ, he wasn't defying God the Father's will. He prayed, if there's a different way but your will be done. He stayed in perfect harmony with the Father's will. 
What kind of judge will you have? He's one who's already given you life. He's one who's been clear about the expectations. I've given you faith. Cling to that faith, you're going to heaven. And you don't have to worry about God changing his mind on that or uh, for your salvation because he's one who has perfect harmony with the Father. Now, lots of times in the Western movies when the judge shows up, they told everybody, rise for the honorable so-and-so. And sometimes in those Western movies, the judge proves to not be so honorable. He can be bribed and he can interpret the law according to his own selfishness. Jesus says in verse 22, in fact, the father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the son so that all should honor the son just as they honor the father who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. This is the son who has the perfect harmony in will and love with his father. Jesus deserves honor. In fact, he has won our honor. If we don't honor him, it's because we are being fools. Because this honorable judge is the one who paid the price for your salvation. So again, your judge is the Savior, your attorney is the Savior, and lo and behold, he's already been punished 2,000 years ago for the sin you're going to commit tomorrow. Now that doesn't mean we plan on committing the sin and embrace it. But what comfort that is. Why wouldn't we honor this judge? If there was a court case for us, here's how it would go. Hi, I'm Jesus Christ. I was punished for your sin already. I'm your attorney and I'm your judge. You are innocent because I've already borne the punishment for your sin. Go home and show my honor and glory. How do we show his honor and glory? Well, those are the good works that we do. We do them because we're saved. When we're kind and forgiving, when we trust in God for forgiveness, when we hear his word, we're honoring him. But there's a warning here. Those who say, well, I believe in the God the Father, such as in the Old Testament, but I don't believe that Jesus is true God, they're not honoring Jesus. And if they don't honor Jesus because he has that perfect accord, that perfect harmony with the Father, They're not honoring the Father or the Holy Spirit either. Salvation only comes through Christ. We can't can't skip Christ and go straight to God and still be saved. So this is a strong warning, for example, to those who still cling to the Jewish religion, to the Muslim who rejects Christ as true God who became true man. You don't bypass the Son. But again, the reason for that is because the only way to get into heaven is through Jesus' life and death in your place. He, again, the comfort is... He already bore your punishment 2,000 years ago. He's your attorney and your judge. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, once again, I ask the question and wrap up our sermon. What kind of judge do you already have? One who has given you life and then uses you to give others life. One who is clear about the expectations. He has died in your place and he has given you the faith, so he is not going to judge you. You are declared righteous. One who has perfect harmony with the Father, so you don't have to worry about him changing his mind or something else. And he's one who deserves all honor because he is true God who has saved you and is in perfect harmony with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who has called you is faithful and he will do it. Amen.